Welcome to the family on the Tom Bernard Podcast with Alex Brampernard Rasmussen and Andy Brampernard. Uh, Catherine's not here today. Darkness Dave's not here today. A lot of people aren't here today, but that's because actually Catherine is helping to move her father. So that's why she's not here. But we have phenomenal guests coming up. We have a great guest this hour. Lori Garver will join us and then Harlan Ullman in the second hour. Lori Garver right after this with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J.Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then, the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the Minnesota sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Hey, this is Brian Zepp. Summer is finally here, and if you're like me, you've got some serious riding planned. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, metric cruiser, or sport bike, you'll find what you need at Dennis Kirk. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets, too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. Andy's rocking out today. We're rocking out on a Wednesday, man. What do you think of that? That was my disc jockey voice. You like it? Lovely. Lovely. Ladies and gentlemen, the new bombshell book, Escaping Gravity, My Quest to Transform NASA and Launch a New Space Age. Lori Garver, how you doing, Lori? I'm doing fine. How are you, Tom? Marvelous. I, Lori, i got to be honest with you. If somebody had told me 50 years ago that we'd be looking at the Jetsons and in 2022, I, uh, it's interesting. The triumphs, the uh, triumphs of the commercial space flight program. What, what is this all about? Why, Lori, and and how did this? We do we have too many billionaires? Is that what this is? <laughs> well, it was certainly surprising how many billions they a few people have. Um, and when we envisioned 
opening up space to more people, um, I don't think any of us expected that it would be um, on the backs, really, they're funding it themselves, of a, of a couple of billionaires who, who grew up, you know, want, envisioning the same things we all did post-Apollo, humanity expanding out beyond um, the moon onto Mars. But what happened is the government programs held on to human spaceflight. So unlike in aviation where the private sector um, innovated and expanded markets based on good government contracts to carry the mail, those yeah. kinds of things. Um, in space, we just kept operating it with the government. And those types of contracts don't incentivize you to lower costs um, and... We now are at a point where the incentives are aligning to have um, more progress. Oh, they, they are. I was going to ask you that very question because so far to me... It, well, I think the progress is that we are being able to go to space now uh, less than, you know, a billion dollars per astronaut, which is when the government did it, what it cost. Yeah, that's true. But but I, I just, is it right now, and I don't know anywhere near as much about this as you do, Lori Garver, there's no question about that, but right now, and I, I don't have anything against either guy, but it looks like a Bezos-Musk little battle to who's richer. Look how much money I have. <laughs> Richard Branson, another guy. Is that it? Yeah. I, I know that there is a public perception about that. Right, and right. I, I'm not going to weigh in and say... These are, you know, people we ought to all be emulating. Most of us cannot imagine amassing such a fortune. I think my point is commercial space and what they're doing with their space companies is separate than their own um, malapropes or egos or whatever complaints we have. They right. have invested their own money, mm -hmm. and that has brought down the cost of launching to space. In SpaceX's case... They have single-handedly helped this nation win back the commercial launch business. And yeah. that's not just astronauts. You know, 20 years ago, we had outpriced ourselves in the United States. Russia, China, and France launched all the commercial satellites. And we now, in 2020, because of SpaceX, are back to being the number one um, country launching satellites. That's a huge boom for our economy. So this is, I know, hard to wrap our heads around, mm -hmm. but we are finally, I think, getting back to a point in space where we all thought we were headed after Apollo. So just just in case our listeners and our listeners love this kind of thing, but just in case they think that Lori Garver, that you're some goofball, let me read this to our listeners. <laughs> As the head of the NASA transition team for President-elect Barack Obama and second-in-command of the agency, Garver drove policies and funding that enabled commercial competition just as the capabilities and resources of the private sector began to mature. So, Lori, less people think you just wrote a book about it. You know all about this. You know much more about this than anybody I've ever talked to. I was sure hate to write book about something I didn't know much well, about. Well, a lot of people the do, though. The whole reason Lord. I wrote this book is I have, <laughs> oh my goodness, um, the the reason I wrote the book is because I've had the 35-year career that was very unique. I came to a space career not growing up wanting to be an astronaut, but I believed and saw what we were doing in space had huge benefits to society, 
And so the policy changes that I've been at NASA two times, once also in the 1990s. I led the policy office at that time. I've worked in the private sector as well. We really um, don't often get the whole story. So lots of journalists were asking for my personal notes from my especially job uh, in the last five years at NASA. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to keep those and write it myself. My stories are, uh, I think, you know, the history of space. We live at a time when people are going to space. That has never occurred before on this planet. So um, how did we do it? Why is it developing the way it is? I think there's a lot of people interested in that, and I have um, I offer my insights in the book. Now, are you going to go into space sometime? Have you ever been in space? I should ask that first. I have not been in space. I, as I said, didn't grow up wanting to be an astronaut. Uh, as the book outlines in a part of Chapter 4, I had a unique opportunity to train to go to space right. in 2001-2002. I was in Russia training to go on a Soyuz when Lance Bass from the boy band Sync showed up. Uh, an agent had told him there was a seat available if they could get sponsors, and we did some training together before it became clear that when the Russians saw Lance Bass there, the price went up. I had negotiated a, a lower price, so Lance ended up getting the seat, but he never fully completed his payments, so didn't get to go either. Right. Eventually, right. a trained astronaut went in that spot from, well, from Europe. Laurie, the one thing that I wish that... that um and maybe you're the person to do this, but but I was very interested in watching all this, whether it's, you know, Blue Origin or SpaceX or Virgin Galactic or whatever it was. Very, very interested in it. I don't know that I ever want to go into space. I'm, you know, I'm of an age now where it's like, eh, maybe, maybe not. I, well, it's I, not as fun as most people assume it is. No. I Zero think, gravity yeah. comes with all sorts of problems. <laughs> right. It does indeed. But the one thing that threw me off the trail, Laurie, and, and, and again, it's his money. He can do whatever he wants with it. But I really wish that, that Jeff Bezos hasn't, hadn't landed Blue Origin and then gave $100 million to a news anchor and made it very public. Like, what are you doing? Uh, how did those two things come together? I, you remember that when he did that? I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I was unaware of it. Sure, um, sure. And so I uh, watched it in real time as well. And I guess I would just give the caveat that my understanding is what he did was allow him to choose the uh, nonprofit. It didn't go to him personally, but oh, it was the causes that he um, supported. And, you know, one of the things uh, a wealthy gentleman gave money, as did Bezos himself, to nonprofits who um, are doing good work, and good. I started a fellowship program, a foundation seven years ago that provides paid internships to um, women in aerospace who are in college, and Jeff Bezos donated a million dollars to our fellowship good. program last good. year through, through his program. So there is work going to, um, there is money going to these good works. We're an entirely volunteer-run uh, fellowship, and his money actually allowed us for the first time to hire an administrator so us volunteers aren't um, doing all the work. But, right. no, I, I think 
Oh, of course we can. It's it's just as it is their um, choice how they want to spend their money and right. thinking they're following the laws and paying their taxes. Uh, I don't see what's wrong with people writing about it either. <laughs> well, you know what's amazing about that? Though, you know, Margaret. I'm fully fully uh, open about my views. You don't have to share them. It's okay. That's part of the point of my book. You know what's great about it, Lori, is that, that I'm really glad I asked you that question because I love your answer. And I'll tell you the, the problem I have is I do a, a morning talk show in town as well and this afternoon show. I love doing it, but I do have to keep in touch with all the news that's going on so I know what I'm talking about. I never saw one story from a news agency giving him any credit for giving that money away. It, it, they basically stopped that. He gave the money to the news anchor, and that's the last I saw of it in the news. The news has to do a better job of covering this because they should have talked about that. I went, God, that, that, that's yes. wonderful. Because I watched it live. Right. You know, so right. I saw and heard him say, you are getting to select the nonprofits where, Good. you know, this goes. And I can't remember even what the nonprofit was or were. But when he then gave himself, Bezos, $10 million, he gave a million to 10 different nonprofit organizations. Good. And I think I know... Everyone, they're all space advocacy groups. I mean, Bezos is a unique guy. He yeah. got this vision as a youngster, um, and he went to Princeton, and one of the professors he had there, Director Gerard O'Neill, really wrote the book on space colonization. I know that word is not used today, but that is what they used at the time. Yeah. And he was inspired by that, as were many, many people. Um, not all of us got so wealthy that we could do something about it personally like that. No, I, I'm really glad that I asked you that question. I'm glad that you had the answer for that because I never, I never saw the fact that he was giving that money to the news anchor to choose where to put it. Now I'm a, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Jeff Bezos and the news anchor. Good. Good. Yeah, that's how it should yeah. be. But, you know, and, the news has to do a better job, Lori. They they report what they wish to report, and they lie about that, too. That's the problem with our news in America today, or probably the world. Well, I talk about this a little in the book as oh, well. Oh, good, for Lori. The space coverage, for, <laughs> for the space coverage, unfortunately, it's become, uh, you know, less uh, about what's happening and really things being told in a investigative and balanced way people want to be fans they're drawn to the press corps for space in order to get invited to launches and things so i don't think we're really getting um the unvarnished stories that we needed from the fourth estate and in order for you know this is just a subset of the larger problem of we all thought that the internet would allow for more information it's really not translated into more knowledge. <laughs> you know, Lori, I love this, and I'll, I'll just read one more line here, and then I'll, then, then I, actually, uh, my 35-year-old son Andy is here, and 33-year-old daughter Alex is here, and I'm sure they'd like to ask some questions. Andy, you, you have quite an interest in space, do you not? I don't know if I'd ever want to go there. Well, no, I understand that, but... Like me, I said, it's uh, not a pleasant place to be. I, want, <laughs> I would like to read this one line, because this, uh, Lori, I really like this. Laurie was determined to deliver more valuable programs, which required breaking the self-interested cycle controlled by Congress. There, I'll leave it there, Laurie. I'm now a huge fan of yours. I will tell you that. 
the relentless momentum of the status quo in Washington is alive and well. Oh, but we were able to break out of it a little bit here. Um, and one of the other reasons I wrote the book is to provide a blueprint for how mm-hmm. this could be done. And it's, a, it's not unrelated to what we're saying with the media. Members of Congress understandably want to keep jobs in their districts yeah. and therefore yep. vote to keep doing things that maybe don't make sense. But we need to elevate that information so that people can hold their own elected members accountable because single members can't pass bills. It, but it's this whole collegial environment where, well, I'm going to vote for this, so if you vote for that, and um, you end up not really keeping the best interest of the taxpayer in mind. Yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, what What do you see, Laura, you personally see with going into space? Again, we've, we've mentioned SpaceX and Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic and all the rest of it. Uh, will there be commerce in space? I mean, what, what what's the ultimate goal in your mind? Yes. In my mind, space is very similar to past frontiers when we first could cross the ocean. We first designed and built vessels that could traverse large bodies of water, similar to the atmosphere. We first learned to fly in short steps and longer. Um, We now can travel to space and do things there that don't all include humans. In fact, most of the things we do in space don't need humans. Uh-oh. We have, have over half a trillion dollars of space of commerce that is related to space with commercial satellites that are giving us communications and geopositioning, uh, remote sensing information. These are all really important, very um, critical pieces of our society today, and we take them for granted because we don't see them, but it is because of our space program that this happens. So lowering the cost of space transportation allows us to do more valuable things in space. What would you like to see happen? I know we're going to go back and forth to space. We're setting up the program. What would you like to see it uh, achieve? Well, I think for NASA, as it was founded in 1958, the purposes lead would lead us today um, to utilizing that vantage, aligning with our needs as a country since it's the taxpayers paying for this part of the program. And that has always been part of human spaceflight, leadership, geopolitics has played a role in that, and NASA has with the space station after the moon landing been in a cooperative position. NASA's on a path to go back to the moon, and... They have a concern about China going, but I guess I personally think the most important thing is to be driving innovation in a way that keeps us global leaders and returns benefits. So to me, climate change, the effects of climate change are an overwhelming problem today, and we really understand it only because of satellites. That unique perspective has allowed us to measure the changes in the atmosphere, land, oceans, and ice, and how those inner reactions are leading to what's happening. So we need space for um, adaptation because we know people, you know, they're losing their homes. We we need to understand it and ultimately develop sensors that 
can measure greenhouse gas emissions in real time, so we can verify our treaties. There, there are so many valuable things to do in space that aren't just, yeah, we get a lot of attention to these tourism things, but I think NASA has to stay focused because they are publicly funded on those things that provide greater value to us all. And I, and I really detail those views in the book. You know, one of the things that I love about this topic is I mentioned Andy and Alex are here, uh, early 30s, mid-30s. When I was, I believe, 14, 15 years old, the sonic booms started, uh, uh, literally shattering some windows in shops around the neighborhood, things like that. And then I think I was 16, maybe 17, when we first went to the moon. So this has been my whole life uh, since I was... 14 years old. You grew up in the space age. I, I grew up in the space age, Lori. It's been fascinating. I mean, to, to feel a son, sonic boom in your chest is pretty damn amazing for a, a young teen, 14, 15-year-old teen. But watching them go to the moon, I, I will never forget that I, I went, they can actually do this. Because I didn't believe as a young teen they could actually do it, but they got it done. Sure, that is the experience of, of your generation. I was yep. eight when they landed on the moon and honestly don't remember it that well. Sure. I don't know where you live to hear the sonic boom, but of course society, we don't uh, have supersonic transportation right now because of the sonic boom. People right. didn't like it. No. Um, yep. <laughs> so, so the experience of each generation is different. And I, I think I have kids, your kids' ages, 30 um, and, and 27, just mm-hmm. a little younger, and, you know, they do, well, they've followed space probably more closely than some, but they're especially attuned to the things I speak of in the book about how space can really be used as a tool for society. It right. is, um, Star Trek is exciting, and we want to have that vision of our future, but we really need to be around long enough to make that happen. I'd rather see the Jetsons, I think. What do you think? It's much more fun. It's easier. Yeah. I know. Find cars. Why don't we have to find cars? <laughs> when are we going to get that? I mean, I don't trust people to drive on two axes. I don't know about three. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's 50% more car accidents <laughs> right there. Well, that is a possibility. There's no question about it. Well, they didn't grow up on the Jetsons. And um, no one was concerned about that. I think sometimes even dogs were just in cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're automatic. You know, this is all, it, it's somewhat related because a lot of the same technologies that we use, for instance, in docking um, with spacecraft are used in automation for ground and air transportation. But um, NASA invests, the first A of NASA is aeronautics. So they are investing our taxpayer money in very positive ways to advance our ability to have citizen transportation in ways that is safer, um, uh, better for the environment, um, more efficient. And I think those are some of the really best investments in NASA. You don't hear much about it and you take it for granted. But flying today is one of the safest modes of transportation, certainly safer than crossing the street while looking at your phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, God, yes. And we, we forget that in, in our country, U.S. airlines in the last 10 years have not lost a single plane. That's flying 9 billion people in that time. So 
Um, it's really incredible, and the government regulates that but through the FAA. But NASA's role is to keep investing in the technologies to make it the most modern system possible. See, I think that's wonderful because what we hear, again, Laurie, I have a huge problem with particularly the national news. The local news is a bit better, but the national news, you had people a couple of years ago going on and on and on about how we had to shut down all jet-fueled conveyances because they were poisoning us and it was horrible. What you're saying basically is, if used wisely, it's going to keep us from poisoning our environment. Is that correct? Well, that's, that's very interesting. So aviation does contribute, of course, greenhouse gas emissions, right. and the research NASA and others do is in biofuels where you are making fuels that eventually will be able to fuel jets um, that have, you know, less of environmental impact. Good. We already have each, each plane is much more efficient than in the past, and, and progress is being made. Um airplane travel is a very, very minor compared to things uh, like energy production, and um, we really need to make progress in all ways. But there's, I, I know, a challenge out there to do what you're saying, which is make an airplane engine that instead of um, contributing to greenhouse gases in the atmosphere um, can remove them. A reverse engine, I think it's just a real challenge at this point, but who knows if someone can invent that. Right. That is the kind of thing, in my view, why aren't we trying? Because, you know, you don't stop progress. The answer, we're not, you know, going back to the cart and the horse. Um, plus, you know, horses and cows and so forth naturally emit greenhouse gases <laughs> right. in the way of methane. Exactly. So, uh, let's use our brains. Let's use our brains and our technology. I say this in the book. We live in a unique point in time where our ability to understand what our advances have done to our environment can also help us reverse the problem. And, um, of course, we're not doing enough. Part of the reason for the book is to show that um, all is not lost. There are people working Wonderful. on this, and I think... The perspective of going to space is a really important one for helping us understand that we're in this together. I love that. See, that's wonderful news there, Lori, and that's one of the reasons I asked you. I, uh, very quick, we have made great progress, and you know people don't think it's great progress, but I was reminded, I was watching a, a show this morning from 1967. They were in Los Angeles, and this car, they were going to somebody's house or whatever, and I'm watching the show, and I'm not exaggerating, Lori, when I tell you when their car pulled up in front of the building in which they were which they were looking for, there were on that street in Los Angeles, and it was real video, obviously, real, real, really shot. There were at least twenty to thirty huge oil stains on the on the parking spots, you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, huge, like five by five foot oil stains every 15, 20 feet. Well, I'm 35 years old, and I remember when I was a kid, whenever a car would accelerate away, it would 
make this very distinct yeah. smell yeah. that you really don't smell anymore. Yeah. People don't realize just how oh much God, more efficient cars are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Catalytic converters yeah. and that kind of thing, those didn't exist back then, so no. all that just went right into the I, air. I remember our first one. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And and similar to aerosols that were emitting chlorofluorocarbons, remember when yep. NASA it weren't a government agency to discover the ozone hole, but we were, our scientists, instrumental in seeing what was causing it. And you know what? The ozone holes closed. We have made so much progress by simply reforming how aerosols right. um, are emitted. And I don't know. It's, it's very transparent to me that I, I can still spray things. So they figured it out. No question. Without well, using, you know, ozone. I, I love the fact that we've made so much progress, and I love talking to you about it. You've pointed out a number of things. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know why I never thought of this. I should have come to the conclusion myself they were doing that. But I love the fact that we could use this program, the NASA program, um, you know, private programs, all the rest of it, to help us live a cleaner, more natural lifestyle, that we could monitor that from outer space. I, see, Lori, I love talking to people like you who give us really good news that we can get to where we're going and that we're going to be better off. And I just happened to watch a show this morning of what the, that showed oil all over the streets of Beverly Hills, California. So I was like, yeah, well, we've come a long way there. Look what we can do from here, Lori. It's going to be amazing. The progress we're going to make is going to be amazing, isn't it? Of course, it it absolutely can be. And as I mentioned, I started this fellowship um, for early career and collegiate women. And when you talk to them in their careers, they're primarily engineers, not all aerospace, but they uh, the things that we need people like that to do now is very exciting. And I think, yes, we grew up in the age of Apollo when the goal was to beat the Russians mm-hmm. to the moon. You know, we wanted to demonstrate that the U.S. had a system that was better than the Soviets, and we did it. Right. And I think that that is something that our children, Andy and Alex, uh, among them, um, have not experienced as much of that where the U.S. is seen as really doing something valuable as a, as leaders. But we... We've got plenty of opportunities to do that. We, of course, need that generation um, to be a big part of it. Yeah, Andy and Alex, when are you going to be part of it? Let's go. Get involved, I guess. <laughs> it's time to get involved. That's all I have. To... No, see, I, Lori, this is what I love about doing this show is we talk to people like, you know, Lori Garber's on with us right now. By the way, the book is available on Amazon and everywhere. But I like finding out there, there's really, really, this is not just an ego thing. It's not just about, oh, look who's going to space. It's about we are actually looking for answers. We'll have a better understanding of what we're doing on Earth if we observe it from the outside. This is all great news. I feel much better after talking to you. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. I love the self, you know, the book only came out yesterday, um, but I love when the early reviews as they have been. I'm, I'm quite critical of some of the things NASA has done because mm-hmm. when, you know, it, it it is a big organization and we have, I think, this system as, as we discussed where at least for some of these larger human spaceflight programs, Congress plays a role that has not been positive. Um, but I leave with, and all reviews have said, with a very optimistic future. 
being being possible. And of course, I mean that's and, and I say that escaping gravity is um, you know that is how we got to space. People with this aligned vision and overcoming gravity wasn't easy. So we can overcome things that aren't easy. Wonderful. We've shown we can do that. And but going to space shouldn't be an escape. It is you know we're going to Mars. Elon and Jeff um, want to do this because we might not be able to live on planet Earth anymore. I know they've been trying to walk that rhetoric back and not saying yeah. it's an escape, but it it really can't be. I I mean the real reality is it's going to take generations um, to have a self-sustaining civilization beyond Earth, and we sure shouldn't be giving up on our more than 7 billion people uh, before putting our best minds on how to make all our lives better. That's exactly what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, I love the descriptor for your book. Uh, you know, it, it, just, it just says Lori Garver, and then beneath that it says her new bombshell book. What do you think about bombshell, Lori? <laughs> Oh, there's the bombshells mainly for, um, I think, people intrigued by the Washington back and forth because, you know, we tend to not just call out members of Congress for their bad behavior. And one of the things that uniquely happened is a member of Congress, Senator Bill Nelson from Florida, who was a Democrat, and when I came in to lead the Obama administration, I fully, of course, expected him to be on board with our path. And when he wasn't, he made it very difficult to get our programs that have now lowered the cost of space transportation right. and allowed um, us to do, again, improve our economy and our national security and things. He became head of NASA. President Biden appointed him head of NASA last, a year and a half ago. So, so my book was almost finished, and I tell the real story in there. It is Factual. There are, um, you know, many citations throughout the book, but I didn't know he was going to be head of NASA. And of course, now he's very, very supportive of these programs. Right. In Washington, people can get away with just doing that and not even just why not say, wow, you know, I really learned more and I was mistaken back then. Glad it worked out. No, Agreed. no, no. What we say is, I created this. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. This is all me. More me now. Yeah. Lori so, so it's a bombshell. So it's a bombshell that um, I'm calling out that type of hypocrisy. It is a bombshell. Lori Garver, G-A-R-V-E-R. <laughs> Uh, her new bombshell book, Escaping Gravity, My Quest to Transform NASA and Launch a New Space Age. Lori, seriously, you made our day better. I really appreciate the information. I, pre- I appreciate the bombshell, and please do come back soon. Thank you for having me. It's good to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Lori Garver, ladies and gentlemen, we'll take a break. Be right back in a couple minutes with the family on the Tom Bernard Podcast. Dan Chesky's here from Dan's Southside Marine. It won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water. Warmer temps and open water are coming soon, Tom. We have inventory in stock now from Alumacraft, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou with more arriving daily. What's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year, Dan? My recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dan's Southside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. 
Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington, or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced, professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I really loved Lori Garver. I thought she was terrific. A very, very bright woman. Uh, and I have new perspective on that because when he gave away that money, why do you think it is that the news didn't report that he was giving the money to charity through the news anchor? Because the news is evil and shouldn't be listened to. So it's just all about ratings. Isn't it? <laughs> yep. So telling a nice story that he's actually helping people, they made it look like this grandiose move that he's just giving money away to anybody he felt like giving it away to. You know, why don't you report the fact he's helping the world and the news anchor's helping the world? That's a good thing, isn't it? You would hope. Yeah, yeah. you would hope. <laughs> But, yeah, but there's just not a whole lot of talk about it. So what do you guys think about that? Well, I mean, you have a totally different perspective on the space pro- program than I did. And, by the way, it was it was in North Minneapolis, and I'm sure it was all of the Twin Cities. And I where don't NASA know. started. I don't know where these jets came from. Maybe it was – because I know there's a SAC base up in North Dakota about a few hundred miles away, so they could have come from there, I guess. But you wouldn't believe when they broke the sound barrier how loud that was. I mean, it was the the windows would rattle if you were like downtown Minneapolis. The windows would rattle on those buildings. It See, was that loud. I just don't understand. I don't. I don't have a science brain okay. at all, and so these things make no sense to me. I'm just like, what are you talking about? Oh, breaking the sound barrier. Like how? What does that even mean? Well, a sonic boom happens because. So sound moves at a certain yeah, speed. Yeah, the speed of sound, yes. So when you're moving the speed of sound, what happens is you're pushing the air at the same speed as sound. 
So and so when like, you go faster than sound, it's that's at, when it's when you're going the speed, the of, speed sound. of sound. Oh, okay. So the longer you take to break the sound, the sound barrier, the louder the boom's going to be because, right. because you're pushing like that air pressure. Okay. at the same rate that it's you know the sound is moving. So you basically are just creating okay. like this one gigantic pocket of sound. Okay. But once like, you go past, it's like it, thunder supreme basically yeah. Of, yeah i've never heard it in real life My, well technically we've all heard sonic booms cracking a whip that's a sonic boom. yeah that's a sonic boom hey i've done that a lot yeah the uh, horses the tip of the whip uh, goes faster than the speed of sound very briefly okay. uh, and that's why it goes <laughs> yep. so that, that's what yeah imagine that times a million that's a sonic boom i gotta ask you guys a Yikes. question here coincidences man there's so many coincidences i report stories in the kq morning show it's like I just thought about that yesterday and had no idea this was going to come out. Uh, a couple of days ago, I did not know that Lori Garver was going to be on talking about this stuff. But I was driving by the old Ruff Brothers supermarket on 18th and Emerson Avenues North. It's just an empty building now. It's not a... Is it, is it two dogs yeah. posing together? No. Is it Ruff R-U-F-F? <laughs> yeah, it is R-U-F-F. It is Ruff Brothers, yeah. It was a supermarket. Ruff Brothers supermarket sounds like a Pixar movie. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. We lived on 18th Street just about a half a block away from it. And by coincidence, I was driving by there a couple of days ago and thought about hearing the sonic booms next to Rough Brothers, because that's where I was the first time I heard one, and it rattled the windows of that building, I'll tell you that. But what a coincidence that is. I just thought about that 48 hours ago, and now we're talking about it today. Stuff like that's well, why I'm such a hippy-dippy. You're a hippy-dippy. You'll be happy to know that some things don't change, because supersonic jets just flew over Minneapolis 20 days ago. There you go. But they don't break the sound barrier anymore. I don't know. They're not allowed to break the sound barrier over the uh, That's what I the, thought, over the yeah. city. But they were flying into the airport. Yeah? Well, why were they coming? Uh, I, I don't... Oh, it was a Top Gun event at the oh, MS, yeah. at MSP. I oh. see. So they're they were like showing gun. off the cool jets and all that kind mm. of stuff. Because of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, people are interested, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eden Prairie, the... Private airport in Eden Prairie has a huge air show every summer. It's in July, really? and it's like really loud, humongous, and super loud. <laughs> yeah, we can like Planes in our house. Very loud. Yeah, at our house, yeah. I'm just like I know when the show's happening because it's just constant, right. massive noises. Even though we live like 15 minutes from where it is, oh, probably only 10, but still, it's just like yeah, wildly loud. Planes are some of the loudest things on the planet. Yeah. God, I got to tell you guys, it was funny today because I had to go by 53rd and Lindale Avenue South in, in uh, Minneapolis. Dan used to live near there. Yeah, he, that's, oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, but what's interesting is I know it's great that you're doing it because you're doing road work. You're making our roads better, and it's wonderful. But could you do me a favor, like when you're, when you're doing road work on every block for about a 10-mile stretch... Oh, my God. I know. Could you make sure the lights don't all turn red as you get to each one? Every light I yeah. pulled up to after going around construction and road closed and detour and blah, blah. Oh, Every light turned red when I pulled up to it. I know. That's like how I am with going to Eden Prairie. What the hell's that all about? I've never not needed a map <laughs> to oh, go to Eden Prairie, even though I go mall? all the time. It's, it's impossible. Because the roads... Are constantly closed. They are. They're like major closed. roads, and then you have to take this crazy detour, and it's all in this like big circle. With I'm just like I don't know how to get anywhere in Eden Prairie other than Target. I don't understand. And why. typically Costco, but sometimes yeah. those roads are closed. Honest to God, you look at you get off in the flying cloud. 
It's and then you take about 95 turns. No, I don't know how to get anywhere. I don't either. I have no idea why. Why did they set, and it, I'll set think it up like that? that I'm, I, Alex, I'll let me finish s- now. We just talked about why talking over Why did they set people. it up this way? Why did they? I don't know. You don't have to whisper now. I don't know. <laughs> but I, and I'll think I know where I am in Eden Prairie. And then I'm like, nope, not at all right. This is not where I thought I was. Isn't that that's so amazing? It's weird because I generally like some people have a horrible sense of direction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like my cousin, my cousin, my sister-in-law, Christy. She's like, my, I have no idea where I am. Anytime I'm in the car, I need a nap. <laughs> I need a map that's how every I was for time. A long time. I just didn't pay attention when I was a kid, so it's like yeah. When I started driving, like, I was just dumped into the road system with zero information about it. Cause... Yeah. And I'm not like that. And I'm not like Dan. He can go somewhere once. And you, Dad, too. You can go somewhere one time. And you're like, well, now I know how to get here for the rest of my life. But not Eden Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how, if I drive somewhere twice, I generally will remember if as long as it hasn't been too long between. But, yeah, I don't know. Eden Prairie just is the most confusing suburb of all time. And don't you love the fact that all that money's being pissed away on the light rail system out there? It'll be interesting. No one's going to ride that train yet. It will be really interesting you know, to see if people I lived in Minneapolis. Actually... I lived three blocks north of one of the stations, and I stopped riding it the, past, the last few years when and, I lived there. And why did you? Because it was just all crime. It was all too dangerous. It was dangerous, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'll never understand be, that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the crime comes out to Eden Prairie or if Eden Prairie... No, it'll come out to Eden Prairie. Yeah. More customers for the drug dealers. I mean, they're spending how many billions of dollars on that thing? I don't know. Uh, isn't it like three times over budget? I have no idea. I don't think any of those projects have not been over budget. Oh, but yeah, it they're all over will budget. be nice when it's done because then it'll make the roads not be closed every yeah. 15 seconds. And nobody will still ride it. And it'll just be zooming around. Let's see. It was originally planned on being done in 2023. Okay. At a cost of about $2 billion. Yeah. Now it's $2.7 billion, and it won't be ready until 2027. What? 2027? Yep. Oh, God. We got five, five more, more years. What? Five more How? years, Alex. <laughs> How? <laughs> can it take that long? I have no. It's 14 miles. Mother like, how can it take... Oh. Six years to build something 14 miles long. From Eden Prairie out to... <laughs> wait. This, this is the Green Line extension. Yeah, yeah. which is... Yeah. Where yeah. does that go through? It's from downtown Minneapolis through... Uh, Minneapolis to St. Louis Park, Hopkins, and Eden Prairie. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Oh, lucky. Okay. Luckily, most of us live far enough away, so it's not a total annoyance. But if I go west, boy, you run into that light rail immediately. Oh, yeah. Well, going to visit uh, your grandpa. Oh, yeah. They, they finally They're got that wall They're putting in a station done. right by grandpa's place. Yeah, right place by grandpa's place. Oh, you, really? You've never noticed that? That big hole in the ground? The oh, that's what that is? Yeah, that's, that's what that is. Yeah. Oh, I just, it's been a hole in the ground for so long. Yeah, I had no yeah, idea what it was. True, yeah, I had exactly. no idea. I thought it was like a building or something. I mean, it's just been a giant hole. <laughs> they finally got the wall built, though. Okay. I mean, There's a wall now. That's about the thing. 2% it's like of it. They've been working on that for two years, and they've made almost no progress. No I mean, progress. It's rotating machines all the time. Yeah. But then yeah, but it's nothing just happens. dirt I don't, like, what are they being doing? moved. I know. I'm like... I don't get it. I don't know. But I will say, tree trimming is fascinating. 
when you're a child because we got home from the kids have been in tennis camp this week. Tennis camp. Yeah. And we got home from it this morning and there were people across the street getting their trees trimmed and the kids were like, can we please sit and watch? Watch trees being trimmed? They just loved it. They had their snack right. outside and sat on a blanket <laughs> there you go. and they just, cause they, cause the guys had chainsaws and then they had the mm-hmm. long pole thing with the saw pole at the saw, end yeah. And then they had a big, they were piling it all together. And then the wood chipper truck came. Very exciting stuff. I love it. Okay. I have, I'm going back to the green line or whatever. We're going to have to What's do that in called? the next segment. Cause we, yeah, no, I just have a very simple quick question. Uh, okay, okay. What's it called? Like the train itself. It has a name. No, like the. Rapid rail transit. Or I don't know. Whatever. The light rail. <gasps> light rail. There we go. Oh, Are okay. there, is it, is that automated? Uh, uh, yes, are there? I okay. believe so. Okay. That, really? That was my question. Oh, that was the whole question? Yeah. I wasn't it, sure if there were conductors a, yeah, or whatever. A conductor? I don't think. Or if they oh, I would. they got to put a human in there, do you yes. think? It's on a track, and it doesn't really go that fast, so. Boy, here's another. We, this is 10 seconds. I was watching a, a, I don't know, I was up really early a couple of days ago, and I watched a show about the train system. I God, where was it? Was it in Japan? And this guy was on the phone. The engineer was on the phone. He was supposed to be doing nine, 90 miles an hour mm-hmm. when he made this curve. He was doing 160. Oh. This train came right off the track oh and it killed almost everybody on board. Oh, my God. I mean, it, there's video of it coming off the track. Like, holy God. Ugh, that makes me feel Woo. ill. No, thank you. we got to take a break. Harlan Ullman promoting the book, The Fifth Horseman and a New Mad, How Massive Attacks of Disruption uh, Became the Looming Existential Danger to a Divided Nation and the World at Large. And I love this line. The evidence, both Democrats and Republicans have demonstrated a singular inability to govern. Mm. We've been talking about that on this show and the KQ Morning Show for about 10 years now. We, we literally, Democrats and Republicans, both need to <laughs> shut the hell up and stop lying about one another. You need to help, not just get elected. I know you want to get elected. We'll talk to Harlan Ullman about it in the next segment. With the uh, family and the top of our podcast.